This is The Podlight, a podcast by San Jose Spotlight dedicated to independent political and business reporting. I'm your host, Editor Nick Preciado. On today's show, we're discussing Santa Clara County's plan to construct a major league cricket stadium, as well as a San Jose food pantry's efforts to raise money for a costly city permit. Various ideas have been proposed over the years for how to better utilize the Santa Clara County fairgrounds, including using it as a site to house homeless residents. But a recent announcement from the county shows plans are underway for a major league cricket stadium with a capacity of 15,000 people. Joining me now to talk about this is senior reporter Eli Wolf. Welcome back, Eli. Thanks, Nick. So walk us through uh, what's being proposed here. So the county and Major League Cricket have agreed to start negotiating the possible development of a cricket stadium on 14 acres of the county fairground. Uh, that's about, uh, you know, in total, 150 acres for the grounds. This is the very early stage of the process, so we don't have a ton of details yet. But the goal here is to build, like you mentioned, a 15,000-person stadium uh, of a really international caliber. So the idea is down the road, it would attract World Cups and other international events. So this cricket stadium is part of efforts to revitalize the fairgrounds. What can you tell us about that? So this would be a very big step for the county in terms of maximizing the economic potential of the fairground. Uh, the county is already trying to develop a training center there for the San Jose earthquakes. Um, Major League Cricket claims the stadium would host not just Bay Area franchises, but also major international cricket events like future World Cups for men and women. Um, and building and maintaining the stadium could also mean a boost for the local economy in terms of you know construction jobs and then employment at the stadium itself. So th- this is part of a broader economic investment in the fairground and in the region. And what are county officials saying about this proposed stadium? I, I know that a cricket field had been talked about before, but the announcement seemed um, kind of unexpected. Yeah. So the ones who've spoken publicly about it are uh, very big fans of it. Um, Otto Lee has pointed out that cricket is really popular in Santa Clara County, and he's pretty excited about the idea of a stadium bringing a lot of visitors around the world to the city uh, and to the county. Uh, Cindy Chavez is also a fan. Uh, She told me that she didn't grow up watching or playing the sport, but she's seen it a lot, played locally. And so she thinks that it will be a big hit. And obviously, MLC is a big fan of this idea. Uh, Their spokesperson, Tom Dunmore, claims that Santa Clara County is perfectly situated for this kind of project because we're home to a lot of immigrants from cricket-loving countries. And also, there aren't a lot of stadiums that are dedicated to cricket, and I don't believe there are any dedicated to cricket in the Bay Area. Now, there have been several ideas uh, proposed over the years for how to revitalize the fairgrounds, uh, the cricket field being one of them. I think you even mentioned uh, like a soccer park or some kind of soccer facility. But there's been a recent push uh, to use the space for homeless residents as a site for safe parking, a place to offer homeless services, as well as just a place for them to have encampments in a stable place. Uh, what are the proponents of this plan saying about this cricket stadium? I can't imagine that they're very happy that this is what the county is choosing to do instead of supporting the homeless residents. Yeah, so the, the, earlier in the pandemic, the fairgrounds was used as uh, you know temporary space for housing unhoused residents. Um, but there are still quite a few advocates who would really like to see the grounds used for uh, things like temporary housing or safe parking. Uh, Todd Langton from Silicon Valley Agape was very critical of this decision. He said it's basically unconscionable to build an entertainment complex in the midst of a pandemic when the region is also experiencing a housing crisis and a worsening homelessness crisis. 
Planning Commissioner Pierluigi Oliverio had a slightly different take on this. He's in the past proposed using the fairground as a triage site for uh, unhoused folks, uh, getting them treatment plans or housing. He pointed out that the fairground is huge. There's still, you know, uh, over 100 acres here potentially for uh, use in different projects, including, you know, humanitarian projects like building housing or, uh, uh, you know, getting people, like he mentioned, triaged. So uh, I think he has a more expansive attitude towards, you know, what could be done with the fairgrounds down the road. I see. Now, what's the next step in this process? Where do things go from here? So we don't have a ton of details yet. The county and MLC have a year to figure out lease negotiations and design approvals for the stadium. So we're probably not going to see a ton of movement, at least in public, for the foreseeable future. Dunmore did point out that there are some milestones throughout this year-long process, so we'll probably hear about those from either MLC or the county when they reach them. Okay. Well, thank you for explaining that, Eli. Thank you. Hi, I'm Ramona Guivargas, CEO and co-founder of San Jose Spotlight. And I'm Josh Bruce, executive director and co-founder of San Jose Spotlight. San Jose Spotlight is a community-supported nonprofit news organization fueled by readers and listeners like you. You can support our work by becoming a sustaining member with a monthly or annual donation on our website, sanjosespotlight.com. Earlier this month, a food pantry run by a San Jose church faced an abrupt end when the city said it needed to pay up to $15,000 for a special use permit. The situation seemed dire, but after putting word out online and in local media, the operation raised enough money to pay for the permit, and then some. Joining me now to discuss this is freelance reporter Lorraine Gabbert. Welcome back, Lorraine. Thanks, Nick. So, Lorraine, tell us about this food pantry. Um, you were out there earlier this week. What is it like, and who is it serving? So, Nick, the Light Ministries Food Pantry is run by Pastor Ralph Olmos. It's located at the corner of East Julian and 17th Streets. It's been running there for about a year. It serves more than 1,000 people a day including families and seniors, disabled and unhoused people. And it's designed in a farmer's market style because almost said he wanted to show respect to his customers. And Nick, what's super cool is, in addition to serving the neighborhood six days a week, the volunteer staff bring leftover food to homeless shelters and encampments in the evenings three days a week. And especially during the pandemic, people are out of work and they're really relying on the food it provides. One senior, Maria Cuesta, told me that it helps her get by as her retirement check is only about $450. And another senior, Diana Rodriguez, said that after paying for utilities and medicine, sometimes she has no money left for food. On top of this, she's diabetic. So the fresh vegetables she gets from the food pantry are doubly important to her. Wow, that's... um. That's hard to hear. I know that food insecurity has increased over the course of the pandemic. I, I believe it was um, Second Harvest who said that they've seen a tripling in, in increase in food need. Um, now, as far as this lighthouse food pantry and this permit from the city, up to $15,000, why would the permit cost that much? And what, what would that money go toward? Like, What would the city use that amount for? Yeah, Nick, that special use permit is very expensive. The city said it, the costs go to environmental and planning review public notification, outreach, as well as a public hearing. And all those require staff hours that have to be paid for. 
Now, Lorraine, when you first went out to the food pantry and spoke with its patrons and volunteers who run it earlier this week, they'd set up a GoFundMe account uh, to help pay for this permit. I believe that fund was sitting at about $2,000, but not long after your story came out, the campaign reached its goal and even surpassed it. How did that happen? Yeah, Nick, it was wild. Donations came in following our story, but they really went over the top after a regular size spotlight reader reached out to community actress Yvette Nicole Brown and our reader asked her to retweet about the food pantry's need to have 500,000 followers. Then it didn't take long for the GoFundMe campaign to reach its $15,000 goal. And even one anonymous donor contributed $10,000. And as of today, the food pantry raised over $17,000, Nick. Wow, that's incredible. And all from the community and online. And it really seems like uh, Yvette Nicole Brown really gave it a boost there, too. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, given that this permit could cost up to $15,000, it's possible that it might not hit that exact amount. If there's any money left over, how does the food pantry plan to use that? So, Nick, he's actually hoping that the city, with all this community support, might change its heart and might actually waive the fees. But in any event, with additional funds, he'd like to improve the food stand. You know, he thought he'd have to close it in mid-February because he couldn't afford the permit. But now he wants to do everything he can. He wants to put up the traffic safety signs that he's required to have. But beyond that, he wants to reach out to the community to get more involvement from community members and youth, especially, to help volunteer there and keep it going. And beyond that, he'd even like to set up food pantries in other nearby low-income neighborhoods. He really wants to help the community as much as possible. And he said that he feels like with all the support he's received, he feels a glow of people's love. And he said he's so thankful for their compassion and the continued support. Well, yeah, it's definitely nice to see that support in this day and age. Well, thank you for coming on and explaining that, Lorraine. Sure. Happy to be here. That's it for this episode of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight, the city's first nonprofit news organization dedicated to independent reporting. I'm editor Nick Preciado. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.